James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand, and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave at all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. When um, I was in seminary for, for a couple of different semesters, I had the uh, same professor for, for classes that were semi-similar. I had, I had a professor for biblical interpretation, and then also the Gospel of John, and also then uh, Paul and Ephesians. And so what, ha- what happened invariably is a lot of times things would get repeated and you'd hear it again. You just heard it last class and then you hear it again this class. And that was great because I don't know about you. Um, a lot of times I need to hear something again. Um, and then the first time I sort of hear it, I go, oh, that's interesting. And you don't have time to write it all down. You're like trying to jot it in your notes as fast as you can. The second time you can sort of take it in and and fill in the, the gaps a little bit. Um, this is sort of what we have in Mark's gospel today. And we've skipped, um, we've skipped it. There's, there, there, is, there is sort of a balance, right, between, between um, having something being reinforced and having it repeated so often that you don't even hear it anymore. But in this instance, um, we, we probably need to hear it again because Although the lectionary has had uh, hearing Jesus' call um, of, of what the Messiah is supposed to be um, about his his coming death three times in a row, we, when we've had to hear it, we've sort of cut it out because it's like we've already heard that a couple times, right? We, we've we've heard that, so let's just go straight to the James and John thing. Um, but it's important because because in reality. Uh, without without hearing hearing what Jesus is saying again, we, we sort of miss um, the question about James and John. So let's read it real quick. Again, Jesus took the twelve to one side, and he told them what was going to happen to him. 
We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will sentence him to death. Then they will hand him over to the people who are not Jews, and the people will make fun of him. They'll mock him, spit on him, whip him, and kill him. And three days later, he'll rise from the dead. Um, and so very plainly, uh, we have we have in, in Mark's Gospel the third time that Jesus speaks about about this sort of sort of getting this past. Um, we begin we begin with with all of these parables where, where Jesus sort of speaking in pictures about the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is going to be like. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field, right? The kingdom of God is like a bush um, that grows from a tiny mustard seed and bursts into into the, this full this full bush, the kingdom of God is like over and over and over again, these, these images of what the kingdom of God is like. And then Jesus starts demonstrating what the kingdom of God is like as he, as he heals, as he raises from the dead, as he calms storms that, 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 that uh, the kingdom of God has power over nature and over sickness and over demons and over death. So there's all these images. But now Jesus very, in the last couple of chapters is very plainly, three times now said, this is what's going to happen um, to the Messiah. And the first one that, that said something was Peter, right? Peter takes him aside and says, that's never going to happen. It's, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And the second time, um, Jesus says it, all 12 of them are arguing on the road, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus is like, oh my golly, are you joking me? And now today, we have, we have James and John again um, missing the point in Jesus is about as explicit as he's ever been. He's like, they're going to hand me over and they're going to mock and they're going to spit and they're going to whip and they're going to flog and they're going to crucify me. And three days later, I'll rise from the dead. And James and John are like, oh, you're just talking about pictures again, right? They're like, really, really, we want to sit at your right and left hand. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Um, Right, you really don't know what you're asking because there are people, remember, that sit at Jesus' right and left hand on the cross. They're there, one is right, one is left. He goes, mm, I don't know if you want to really do this, um, and it's not no man to ask anyway. But, uh, but again, we see Mark sort of reinforcing this image of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, and really driving down to say, no, no. Um, this something, something radical, something new, something amazing is going to happen, and it's not going to happen in the way you, in the way you expect. Um, I'm I'm saying it plainly, and it says it says the ten were indignant with James and John. You sort of figure they're indignant not because they didn't get it, while the other rest of them got it. They were indignant because I've been one to ask that. <laughs> And I haven't had the courage to ask. I was being, I was being humble, and not asking that. Stupid James and John, you know. Um, but but here, right? Jesus is is really again putting forth, and Mark in in, in saying this and, and sort of reinforcing this this three times of of here's the mission of the Messiah, and you have to remember. When, when the first readers of this gospel are reading, it's, it's either right before the temple has, is being destroyed or right after the temple falls, somewhere, somewhere in that time period where, where the Roman power is 
constantly um, in your face. That this feeling about about Rome being the enemy over and over and over again still is 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 real, very real. As revolutionaries sort of rise up and they look like they're gonna t- they look like they're gonna win, and then they get crushed and they get dragged off and they and so in this, um, Mark is saying in Jesus, the revolutions uh, the revolutions already been won. It's just not in the way that we anticipated. It's not in the way that that James and John and the closest followers anticipated. The revolution is here by God turning power and glory up on side of their head, inside out, upside down, right? That power is not waging uh, control over people. It's not being a tyrant. Power, true power, is sort of the meekness that Jesus has, which is you have power and you choose instead not to not to wield it and to lord it, but to serve and to be servants, to love. And these passages from Isaiah and Hebrews sort of sort of mimic those that Jesus didn't seek to be high priest. He didn't come here being to be high priest in the way the high priest want. So he could be the grace high priest. He came to be high priest that he could give up himself as a ransom for the world, to be the true offering of God. And the difficulty a lot of times with this passage is is the way that it that it uh, affects us and and then gets interpreted or doesn't get interpreted fully oftentimes this passage gets gets sort of pulled out um, one way or the other it's either over spiritualized that Jesus came for a ransom for many and so nothing about the political realities of that Jesus was about to do of of overturning exactly what power um, was that in this new revolution um, it's not going to overthrow Rome but overthrow sin and death and evil and the institutions of this world that, that sort of prey on the weak and the vulnerable or People want to just say this is about overthrowing the institutions and it doesn't have anything to do with the spiritual reality of, of being, of, of Jesus coming to be a ransom for, for of, of us all as well. And so the trick is understanding um, what truly God has done through, through that announcement, you are my beloved with you, I'm well pleased at the baptism of Jesus and the pouring out of the Spirit, of which then each of us has got to experience that same reality. How are we invited to follow? Because ultimately, that's everything that Mark is leading us up to. All we can do is follow, because it is hard, right? It's hard. James and John didn't get it. They've been told three times. They've been walking beside Jesus the whole time. They didn't get it. We can sit there and go, James and John. 
I don't know about you, I screw up all the time with with Jesus, you know, thinking, compartmentalizing Jesus into into the spiritual part of Jesus and the the sort of political part of of following and serving Jesus. Um, there's times where it's not really convenient to do both simultaneously. I have stuff I want, right? I have stuff I want to do. I have things that that I, you know. I'm not sure I want to drink that cup every day, right? And that's the, that's the invitation. That's the challenge. That's the call. How do we not just balance it, but how do we merge and meld these two realities and, and make them part of our core? Because I think for so long, the church even has separated them. You know, we've, we, we've emphasized Bible study, prayer, and catechism over here or in this denomination or in this type of church and over here is social justice and good works and outreach and and a lot of times those are two different churches and you know we need to be the church that does it all right you can't you can't have one without the other you can't truly enter into a life of christ and not grow spiritually while you're looking for justice and at the same time you can't coach spiritually without entering into that as well of reaching out um, I don't have the answer I think the question just sits there for us can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink will you enter into the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with will you follow and this is the daily question that I think God asks each one of us that that we just have to to respond with I will follow I will follow wherever you wherever you take me however it goes and I pray as a parish we will follow and um, that we'll continue to seek and continue to pray because I think that's the one thing with God that's that's very very clear throughout throughout my life serving in churches and my life following Jesus is just because it happened one way, one time, doesn't mean it's, that's like the formula that's going to happen everywhere else, right? It just doesn't work that way. It's like Moses and the rock, right? Moses broke, hit the rock with his rod, and the next time God says, speak to the rock. And it's like, I've been here before, God. I know you hit the rock with the rod. That's how the water comes out. I don't need you to tell me something new. God said, well, that's the end of your leadership. So we, you know, we just, we just need to, to truly seek and, and to follow, to listen and to be ready. And I pray that as a parish, we might um, definitely do that together. Amen.